Benjamin Holloway. First time on the show. Yes. Is it your first time on a podcast? It is actually, yes. I see, that makes a difference. Because I don't know if you know, but we have, it's, it's podcast law, we have to ask first-timers some specific questions. Okay, then. To make sure that you're a good fit for the show. Go ahead. <laughs> They're important. They're important. Okay, ready? Yes. Where do you stand on soap? You what? Soap? <laughs> we have this conversation all the time on the show um, about whether or not the squirty soap that you get in hotel bathrooms is good enough or whether you need a bar. You definitely need a bar. I think you need a bar. Definitely. We're at one. We agree on the soap. That's a good start. What's the strangest thing that you've ever eaten your dinner off? Um, <laughs> chopsticks. <laughs> no, you eat them with chopsticks, you don't eat them off chopsticks. True. A plate, then, <laughs> which isn't weird at all. No, that's not weird. No, have you never been somewhere where they give you your dinner on, like, a piece of slate? No. Oh. Never. <laughs> a wooden chopping board? No, never been through that experience at all. This is not a question that you're good at answering. Right, third and final question. But it's the most important question of all. It's make or break. Do you enjoy a burger in a brioche bun? Yes. When was the last time you had a brioche burger? Uh, about three weeks ago. I see. Oh, hang on. Wait, where do you live? Brighton. <laughs> Well, of course. Of course that's where you live and enjoying a brioche bun. How was I yes. not, not supposed to know that? <laughs> We've got so many burger bars around, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no wonder you like a brioche. That and a, a frothy coffee, no doubt. Yes, definitely. Living in the soft south. Hey, tell you what, do you follow my friend Paul Annette on Twitter? I don't think so, no. He's, uh, he's a designer at, up at Twitter. He used to live in Brighton. Thought you might have bumped into okay. it. Anyway, he tweeted something today that I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to forget it. He tweeted a picture. It wasn't a picture of a burger in a brioche bun. Oh, no. It wasn't even a picture of a burger in a donut. Wow. You have these in Brighton. What is it? Laura Cowbag was talking about this a couple of weeks ago. You actually have a burger... In a donut, in a Krispy Kreme donut. Oh, oh yeah, I think I saw her put that on Twitter, or someone else put that on Twitter. That, that took me for a surprise, to be honest. I think it was all even an ice donut, wasn't it, as well? Oh, can you imagine? No, it sounds dreadful, to be honest. It really does. But brioche is okay, this just surprises me. No, it, it wasn't in a donut. No, it gets worse than that. Who do you think? What could be worse? What could it be? I'll tell you what it could be. This is what Paul was posting a picture of today. A burger in a scotch egg. <laughs> no way. Yeah, absolutely true. No word of a lie. So it's a burger within a meat and egg bun. Well, I couldn't quite tell from the picture, but I suppose, yeah, you've got the outer coating of breadcrumbed sausage meat. I don't know where the egg comes in. And then there was definitely like a big honking burger in the middle. How odd. <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. This is what we talk about on this show. Burgers and Scotch eggs. <laughs> this is what makes us different from, you know, some of the other podcasts that you might mention. Yes. You don't hear Paul Boak talking about burgers in a brioche bun. No, never. <laughs> it's true. You don't hear Chris Coyer, CSS Tricks, 
What's this podcast called? Um, oh, Shop Talk. Yes. You don't hear Chris Coy talking about brioche buns on Shop Talk. Oh, no. You don't hear John Gruber mentioning brioche buns. It's what we do. Interesting. Definitely unique. Yeah, I think so. The three listeners that are still left at this point, they probably find it <laughs> less interesting. But anyway, there you go. I know we mustn't talk about film or TV because I don't know whether you listen to the show, but whenever we do, people write in to complain. But I did see you tweeting, was it yesterday? About The Apprentice. Yes. Oh, are you a big fan? Uh, yes, I am actually, yeah. It's been slightly painful this first few couple of episodes, though. They've been quite slow to start and they've all been a bit at each other's throats. <laughs> I've only seen the first one. We've got the second one recorded on Sky+. Plus. Okay, you should definitely watch it. It's very interesting. It's about uh, wearable tech. Yes, that was, that's what I saw you tweet about, but I haven't had time to sit down and watch it. But it's not like watches or anything like that. It's actually clothes that light up. Oh, how disappointing. It was mildly disappointing, yes. Because you're a, you're a young and budding entrepreneur. Would you not fancy going on a show like that? I think it would be a bit too much pressure to perform, to be honest. I don't think I'd live up to the expectation of... <laughs> ideas and stuff you think performing what in terms of the task or yeah tasks and ideas and brainstorming no i see i look at i look at the people that they get on there and i think you're a donut yeah <laughs> i think that's yeah i think last few people who've disappeared or been kicked off the show have been deserving of losing don't tell so me far. don't tell me don't tell me I anything won't. else because <laughs> i'll sit and watch it later but no, I do, I do look at that. I suppose other people would probably be sitting there doing the same thing. Because it's all very well sitting there watching it on TV on your couch with a bag of Doritos. Which I don't have. <laughs> but I should do. Perhaps a burger. In a Scotch egg. Be very nice. Alan Sugars, no doubt, had plenty of those. But no, I just, I don't understand how they can just pick people that are completely inept and yet think that they are rulers of the world maybe they are in their own universes it's a strange one yes. but it is my annual ritual i don't watch strictly come dancing i watch the apprentice and i watch australian masterchef why australian masterchef because it's the best in the world do they not serve strange things like kangaroo and koalas you don't eat koalas have you been nowhere no? <laughs> no, it's um, it's brilliant because, yeah, they do have sort of, you know, exotic ingredients and they do um, they do have people that are... Because, you know, Australia is a very cosmopolitan place and they have a lot of people from Asia, a lot of people from all over the world. And, you know, they go on the show and they're brewing all of those influences into the cooking on MasterChef and it's great. But just everything is so, so good about Australia MasterChef that they don't have on, on other ones. Like the New Zealand MasterChef, not quite the same bit more reserved. So what's the difference between the Australian one and the English one, then? Ah, the English one's terrible, because it's got that bald bloke on it. <laughs> Isn't he just a grocery trader? Oh, well, I don't know. I think he has a market stall somewhere. Well, that's not really enough experience to judge food, is it? Well, you know what you like. Yeah, I guess. No, don't like the English one. Never really watched the English one. The South African one is weird, because there they really do have strange things that I don't think humans should eat. Such as zebra? You don't eat zebras. You can get zebra meat. Really? 
Yes. <laughs> you should definitely pick up zebra meat. It's, um, it's quite a strange colour. Apparently it tastes like horse and beef. Isn't it stripy? No. You'd think it would be. I think it's just their um, hair that's stripy, to be honest. I know nothing about animals. <laughs> so when you're not watching TV, what is it that you actually do? I like to code. You write code. I write code. So are you doing that? Is this your full-time job you're freelance developing now? Is this... Uh... I'm currently doing an internship in a small development company in Brighton. Nice. Yes. Is that part of just an, um, something that they've set up at the company, or is that part of like the, uh, the official kind of government apprentice scheme? How does that work? Uh, it's something that's set up at the company. Uh, there's a way around the government scheme of being an education to 18, which began a little while ago. Um, so because I completed my A-levels, I was able to do the apprentice or internship there instead. Right. And you're, yeah. ha- you're working there how many days a week? Uh, five. Cool. Yes. Because you're, you're how old? Remind me. Uh, I'm 16. Oh, makes me feel ancient. You can probably say TV shows and celebrities who I don't even recognise. I'm going to be bringing up references to things that you're just not going to have the faintest idea what I'm talking about. They probably already started before I was born. Yeah, so when I start talking about the PG Tips chimps, you, no clue. No. Let's forget about that. And I suppose, being that young, that certainly gives you a different perspective on the industry to somebody somebody like me, old and creaky. I Completely, think, yes. Is best, best describing me right now. So I think that's going to give us something to, to talk about today. Yes, I think it will. Because you've been coding for what, how long? Uh, since I was eight, so half my life. Eight years old. And what did you start off, what was, what was the code that you wrote? Don't, don't say JavaScript. Visual Basic. You started writing Visual Basic at eight years old? Yes, I did. Most eight-year-olds are not sitting there thinking, I'm going to write an app in Visual Basic. No, most aren't really. So what was it that drew you to wanting to write code at such a young age? Well, I really liked computers, and I had a friend who offered to teach me how to write code. So I took off with his offer. That's very cool. Yes. And have you done any, I mean, I I hate to say it, but any kind of um, formal training or formal education on this? Uh, In computer science or coding, none at all. The same goes for a lot of people. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say you make it up as you go along, but certainly being able to pick something up like that, learn off your own back, I think that's, I mean, that's a massive skill. The problem is all the material out there is quite old, so you can't really learn it in an education sort of manner. So you have to sort of learn it off your own back and work out what you're doing by yourself. Are you saying that the courses that they might teach you, I don't know, university are out of date? Yes, pretty much. Or they go out of date very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. Because I do a bit of lecturing. You know, I, I, I like to get out and talk to students. But I tend to talk about designy things. And I, talk to, I tend yes. to talk about CSS. Because, um, you know, the two things kind of cross over for me. But I don't know. I have no experience as to how good or bad these things are. I mean, you know, I know great lecturers. They don't seem a bit outdated if they could be renewed or made a bit more update. But things move so quickly online that they can't really have the time to keep things up to the current standard. I mean, I suppose that the minute that it's written into a curriculum, 
and that process of writing a curriculum, it's probably already out of date. Yes, it really is. How do you get around that, though? In a curriculum basis, I've got no idea at all. But how do we how do we make more of you? Encourage us food off our own backs, I guess. So what? We're talking Code Club and initiatives like that. They are very good initiatives that do encourage kids to get interested in code. Obviously, not every single child that attends them will get interested in code, but I think enough will to start learning, in a sense. Mm, Elliot uh, Kemper and I talked about that a little bit, oh, God, quite a few episodes back, before the summer, because there was a government initiative that was uh, you know, trying to encourage um, kids in school to, to learn to code. Is that the one they kicked off on Newsnight? That's the one, yes. That was notorious. Yeah, um, and I don't want to go over you know stuff that we talked about before, but I think that it's a it's a very sort of precarious position, really. It's a very difficult thing, for different problem, difficult problem for people to solve, um, because you know these things do change all the time, and you want them to change all the time, and you want the kind of the best practice to be evolving the whole time. So how can you how can you write down that stuff? And, and probably and have it a curriculum that, what, it needs to stay current for, what, years? Yes. I think Code School did a very good job, or has done a very good job, to be honest, because they've got an almost open-source system in place where they've got contributors from all over the place helping around the clock to keep things up to date and move it forward. I think that's probably one of the only systems that will ever work, truly. I think the other thing, possibly, is to really wonder what we mean by a qualification because you know getting a i don't know an o-level a-level degree or whatever the others are in a certain thing generally means that you have to what remember a certain set of stuff you know it's it's all about you know what you've learned and proving that what you've learned and i suppose you know in my mind anyway the most valuable thing that i ever learned at university was learning how to learn and and to keep being adaptable and that's what we ought to be teaching people, really. And if you can demonstrate that, so you can turn your hand to a bit of VB or you can turn your hand to a bit of what HTML and CSS, job done. Yes, I think being taught how to be adaptable to learning new skills is something that we need to be taught. It's not something we just know how to do. So tell me about this internship thing, then. Because I'll tell you why. We've been thinking that... Over the next few months, we really want to start talking to, um, you know, and talk about some of our contacts at universities and whatever, because we'd, we'd actually really like an apprentice. You know, we've got some space now. We've stopped working at home. So we've got a little bit of space and we've got the, you know, the time and the inclination really to, to want to take somebody on. But that's not the route that you've gone down. So how, how did that come about? Did you approach them or did they come to you or how did it work? They actually approached me after the Net Awards because we were both nominated. Um, unfortunately, they weren't shortlisted, but I was. They approached me at that stage after realising I was also from Brighton like they were. So um, the company is called Bill by Buffalo and they um, are having me for about three months, I believe the plan is. So you're there for, what, three months? Three months. That's pretty good. Proper full paid internship. Yeah. That's really good, actually, of, of people to do. I know Clear Left, they also have a really, really good internship programme as well. But their one this year is only for graduates, which is unfortunate for me. You're not quite there yet. Maybe one day. So, yeah, you got shortlisted for NetMag's Emerging Talent category this year. Yes. How did that make you feel? 
Yeah, I was very surprised, to be honest. It made me feel like I was being recognised for some of the work I've done and I'm hopefully going to be able to do in the coming years. Yeah, it was a brilliant thing. I mean, what a start, really. Yes. You know, and, and, and nice to be recognised. I know what it's like to get shortlisted and then to have that win cruelly snatched away from you. <laughs> the winner was well deserved. Oh, deserving. yes, so close, but yet so far. Uh, you couldn't even get drunk to commiserate. No, I couldn't even get in the bar. I was thinking about that, the Net Awards the other day. God, I've rambled about it on the podcast before, but that after party, yeah, it was in a bar. Yeah, I couldn't get in. They wouldn't let me in because I wasn't 18. Well, that's going to be the topic of the show, I think. I think it's a good one. Yeah, no, it brings us neatly round to that topic for the day. But can we just, um, can we just do our first sponsor? Go ahead. You can feel free to chime in too, because you probably know these guys. I have worked with them. Our first sponsor this week is actually the first sponsor that we ever had here on Unfinished Business right back at the beginning of 2013. You know me and Anna Debenham? Yes. When we started this thing off. And it's Perch, the content management system that's been designed to help both design agencies and individual designers and developers deliver great sites that their clients are really going to love. And it's funny because back then... Anna and I, we just asked them for a copy of Perch to use on the Unfinished Business website in exchange for a bit of a mention on the show. And I didn't know that we'd still be talking about Perch almost two years later. And I didn't know that Perch would become our CMS of choice, stuff and nonsense, but it has. And today I've just got something new to tell you about Perch because it's Perch Runway, a new version of Perch that's been designed for bigger some might say more complex projects. And Perch Runway, it takes the same simple approach that Perch is already known for, and it applies it to the tools and the features that bigger sites sometimes need. So it's perfect for projects that you'd think of as being too big for Perch, or maybe as an upgrade path when a successful Perch site grows up. So Perch Runway includes features like dynamic URL routing, that sounds very clever. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> but, no, it says here that it lets you design your site's URL structures without making you crazy trying to create rewrite rules. Not something I've ever done. Possibly more your game than mine. I think I've only had to do it once, and I thought I'd never do it again. <laughs> well, Perch Runway's going to take care of it for you, so there's a win. It's got collections, which are containers for holding large amounts of reusable content, and it's got built-in support for cloud storage and content delivery networks. Perch Runway even has a new backup feature that will automatically backup your site's content to something like Amazon S3 or Dropbox without you even needing to think about it. And that means that if there's a problem with your client's web hosting, you've got an automatic backup ready and waiting to get their site online again as quickly as possible. Man, I love that idea. It does sound very helpful. Perch Runway is currently in beta, but it will be ready to launch really soon. So if you'd like to be among the first to know and to hear about their special launch discount price, sign up to the Perch Runway notification list by going to unfinished.bz slash grab a perch. Now, I had to quickly recover there because I've just noticed in the show notes that the URL that I've actually written in my notes is the... <laughs> Is the URL of our of our uh, uh, control panel? Oh dear! <laughs> Not going to take people to that again. You done that before? Done that before. Read out the address of our control panel. <laughs> Stupid. 
So I suppose the thing that brought you to my attention and probably the reason why we're talking today, apart from Strange Burgers, is you wrote a blog entry about not being old enough to get into conference after parties, amongst other things. Yes, and uh, tech meetups as well, surprisingly. Which I thought was interesting because, you know, like I say, you do come at things from a, a completely different perspective and it's not the sort of thing that I really even think about. You know, I never gave it a second thought. No, you wouldn't really because you've never been through that experience and phase and if you ever did, it would have been such a long time ago you would have forgotten about it and moved on. Hey, not that long ago, you cheeky bugger. Now, I remember going to an event apart over in America and doing some speaking there and they actually have quite a lot of young people. I remember people, you know, asking for photos and stuff. And I never really thought, because, you know, an event apart always organised things so beautifully. I never really thought about the fact that, actually, you know, these guys are missing when it comes to the the media temple party. Yes. The sort of party on the first night. It's even harder in America, because if you're 21 to enter bars and clubs. Yeah, it's really funny, actually. Alex, our son when we went off and did road trips, you know, we we did a couple of big holiday trips across the state before he was 21. Okay. And he actually, he hasn't been back since. So he's always said, yeah, we need to go on another trip. Now I'm old enough to drink. (laughs) You should do it. But you said some interesting things in this article. I just want to pick you up on one point though at the beginning, which was that you said like in the right in the opening paragraph, I experienced age discrimination much more than I experience any form of gender discrimination. Do you actually think that you're being discriminated against because you're young? Or do you just think people don't think about it? It just hasn't crossed their mind like it didn't cross mine. It generally is a bit of both. Um, With clients, they struggle to trust a young person. And with uh, conferences, they tend to overlook younger people. No, I think that it's genuinely an issue that a lot of people haven't really thought of. It really is, yeah. I mean, I was reading your thing here, because you're talking about pubs and clubs, and you said here, every tech event I've ever attended has an after-party at a club, pub, bar. Yes. Now, I have been to some. I remember the New Adventures Conference up in Nottingham for several years. They had, like, a bowling night. Okay. So I know that there are other activities that go on. I think Craig Lockwood... um, who's obviously organising the web is down in Cardiff. Yes. He's planning several um, after-conference, you know, social activities. I believe he is, yes. But the key thing, I think, is that, for the most part, the you know, one of the biggest events, yeah, one of the reasons why a lot of people go to these things, I think, sometimes, is because of the drinking. Are they going there to drink, though? Are they going there to socialise? Well, I think the two things kind of go hand-in-hand, don't they? I guess so, yes. I don't drink, actually, that much. Not through any kind of moral or religious reasons, it's just I can't hold my beer. Fair enough. Well, I can hold it, but then I put it down and it it disappears. (laughs) I can imagine that feels very kind of exclusionary, if that's a word, for you. You know, you you have a great day the first night of an event, the first day of an event, and then everybody else buggers off to the pub. Yes. And it's like, what am I going to do? Go home. Is that what happens? Normally, yes. There are a few cases where people hang around and we go to a coffee shop or hang around in the venue or something instead. But generally, I end up going home. That's actually really sad. It is. 
Because, you know, we talk about drinking or socialising or whatever, but, you know, the most important thing is the networking, I think. And particularly, you know, in your game. Yes. You're going to want people that, you're going to want to meet people. Get my name out there. Exactly. You know, they might hire you. Or you might hire them. (laughs) That could always be fun. Yeah, no, it's, it's right. I mean, you mentioned here, you say that, Countless times I've heard people saying that after an event, they just want a quiet venue that serves, that, that, which serves drinks. Yes. I'm always so worried about the drinks often. It's just, I'm at the other end of the spectrum where, you know, you get to a certain age and you don't want to be screaming at somebody uh, over a load of dance music. I do believe that it's a problem, even for standing outside the venues, you can often hear the extreme volume of the music. But, you know, the last thing that I wanted to do was, like, stand there drinking. That's something I didn't particularly want to be drinking while you're just kind of, I don't know, standing screaming at somebody. Not my cup of tea. Or a cup of beer. I think that there is this sort of general general feeling, you know, amongst not, not amongst everybody, but certainly amongst, I would think, you know, a sizable minority. Of people that just don't want to do it. And, yeah, there's some of us that are trying to be healthy as well. Yes. Um, Rachel Andrew, who's like one of the healthiest people that I've ever met, she wrote a blog post uh, or a column on a list apart as well fairly recently. Does our industry have a drinking problem? Did you see that? I think I did, yeah. It was published a little bit before I posted mine, I think. Rachel always sort of sums up things very well. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you want to go to something and, you know, you want to socialise, but, you know, you don't want the drinking there. I mean, and for some people, I suppose, they can't drink. Some people like uh, Muslims for religious reasons and people who are possibly even uh, intolerant to some of the ingredients used in alcoholic beverages. So, I don't know, you see, because I wouldn't like to be the kind of party pooper that thought, well, you know, we'll just stop having things in pubs. Because, you know, I've had some great times in the past. Um, But I suppose we should be, what, putting on some alternatives? Uh, Yeah, you can always have two different after parties so people can choose between the two. Obviously, it's more organisation, but I'm sure people would be happy to help assist with the organisation of such a change. Is that something that you think is a conference organiser's responsibility, or is it the sort of thing where you, for example, could set something up and say, "Look, you know, we're just going to have a we're going to have a quiet get together to talk about something else in in another venue." It can be a bit both. It's neither nor. I think um, either party can really set up a separate venue for people who don't want the loud music and the drinking. I like the idea of doing other activities around conferences. Um, I mean, I went to the Doctor Who exhibition last year. Okay. When, when we were down at Handheld, which is always a good thing. Can't beat Doctor Who. And a lot of people do photo walks and history walks and things I've like that. Well. It's fascinating. The history and photo walks, they, seem, they sound quite like quite a good idea. Yeah, no, I love that idea. Yeah, especially when you go to a place. I mean, quite often when you're speaking at a conference, you're, you're going to find this out if you're starting to travel and you know, go to more places, do more speaking. But, you know, you get there and you don't want to be spending your whole time talking about work. And you don't want to be spending your whole time hanging around the hotel or hanging around the conference venue. You know, you want to get out and see, you know, for example, we're going to go to Berlin in a couple of weeks. And I would absolutely love some local resident to put on a, you know, a photo walk around Berlin for a, in a half a day, morning or afternoon. That would sound like an amazing idea if you were able to do something like that. Well, I'm not going to be able to do anything because I'm hopeless, but it would be fantastic. 
people put on events. I mean, half of the appeal about going and speaking at events like this is so that you can actually go and see somewhere. Yeah, I guess it is. The location and the scenery, I guess that is quite appealing to some people. And the people. And the people, And, you know, yeah. and if you, you're spending a morning or an afternoon walking around the streets of, let's say, Berlin, or, you know, we're going to be in Cardiff in a couple of weeks. And actually, you know, it's that walking around and, and talking to people as you're doing it that is just as social, probably even more social, than standing in a bar over a pint. Yes, you also get to know people a lot better, I think, when you go walking with them or spending time with them in a different place to where you're used to being. Yeah, I mean, this whole inclusiveness thing. I think Anna picked up your torch and ran with it, didn't she? Yes, and ran very far. There's a lady that has a reach now, you know, and has an audience and a voice, and I think has an awful lot of good things to say about this kind of stuff. She wrote a post about making events more inclusive for under-21s and everyone else over on the list of parts. Yes, I read that. I thought was framed really, really well. And one of the best things that I, I thought, actually, about the, the article wasn't necessarily what she wrote, although it was great, but it was what some people said in the comments. Yes, that, that truly amazed me how people were so accepting of the whole idea. You know, when you think about it, I mean, you, you said discrimination. I don't necessarily think that it's discrimination in that kind of mean sense. You know, not, people aren't intentionally discriminating against, all, against no. you. It's just because you know, maybe they're clueless. And actually, you bring this to someone's attention and they go, well, of course. I think sometimes things need like, like this need to be brought into the light and people can realise that things need to change slightly and shift in a more uh, inclusive direction let's talk about some of the problems in a minute and let's talk about maybe some of the things that we can do about that but i just want to do our second sponsor okay because i'm really pleased that we've got our next sponsor supporting the show because it's hover and they really are the very best way to buy and manage your domain names and i know that because when i started using hover this was long before they sponsored us i like the experience so much that i just recommend them now to all of our clients yeah because i'm designing I'm running a small business. I don't need something that should be simple. Something like buying and managing domain names to distract me from what I do best and what makes us money. You know, I don't need unnecessary complications. I just want the process to be smooth and simple. And I want help quickly when I've got a problem or I need the question answered. You know, many domain registrars, they try to squeeze every single last penny from you. And Hover aren't like that. Hover's different. With them, things like who is privacy, that's all included for free. And it's on every domain that supports it. And when you ask Hover for support, you get a real live person. And I was actually on uh, to Hover support this week because we've set up a little website, um, Hayden Pickering and I. We've set up a little website for our Geek Mental Health Week. And one of the things that we wanted to do, we wanted to host it on GitHub pages. And we wanted to point the domain name that I registered at Hover, geekmentalhelp.com. Needed to point that to the GitHub space. Never done it before. Hayden never done it before. Needed some C name stuff, whatever that is. Setting up on GitHub. But it also needed some DNS changing. You're not talking to the man who knows anything about DNS. So what I did was I got onto Hover. They did it for me. That's amazing. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And the other thing I love about Hover is they've got this valet transfer service that takes all the hassle and the friction out of registering and then managing a domain 
So this valet service, they make it as easy as possible for you to move all your other domains that you've registered in loads of different places, or move them to Hover. And there's no charge. They just take care of everything for you. You give them the login details to your account, they'll just go and set it up for you. And they'll even make sure that all the DNS works so that your sites don't go down. I will definitely be checking it out. Ah, no, it's exceptional. I mean, I could talk about Hover all day and why I like them, but I think you'll enjoy using Hover, so you should just give them a try. Go to unfinished.bz slash Hover and start using Hover, for God's sake. Where were we? Oh, we were talking about comments. Yes. Comments on um, Anna's Alistair Park. Uh, blog. So S- Captain, Captain Suleiman Leadbetter, he wrote in and said, when the London Web Standards Organisation, I suppose, realised that young developers wanted to go and they couldn't attend, they switched to holding their events in offices, making them accessible for young people and people who would be excluded because of their faith or for other regions, because, uh, you know, Suleiman's a Muslim too. Um, and they were delighted when young developers started to turn up to their events. You know, it's a selling, it's a selling factor, isn't it? Yes, it it's like a USP. It increases the uh, ticket range massively. I mean, I don't know what the market for young people would be, but why would you rule out any market? There's no valid reason to, really. Obviously, you can easily forget that market even exists at a point, because we are quite a small minority, but we are there. Sarah Sawedan, she commented on the same post well she comes up every show sarah she's brilliant (laughs) and she made a really good comment actually which i think we touched on before which is conferences should provide a secondary option for those of us who don't drink don't attend bars Um, if they ignore the issue it'll continue to be a reason why a lot of people can't attend conferences especially in the case of under 18s because a a muslim can't attend the conference um, and then simply lock the parties so that's what she does you know she does the same thing she'll attend the conference and then not go to a party it's a shame it's such a shame you said something else actually in fact, no, hang on it wasn't you there was um, a comment Bradley Taylor wrote in the comments as well this is sort of slightly on a different tack furthermore bars and clubs are intimidating and I don't know if I'll get in and I don't know anyone else there I suppose this leads back to something that you said in your article that you said it could be really intimidating going up to someone you respect and saying hello and asking for advice. Yeah, it can. Which, I mean, that's a totally separate separate issue. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, it doesn't bloody help when you've got to sort of, you know, stand in a crowded bar shouting at someone. Not at all, no. Not being able to go up and speak to someone. That's always, always concerned me, that. Why people think that, oh, I mustn't go up and speak to him. It can be slightly intimidating because you see someone on Twitter has so many more followers than you, so you respect them. I think they're so much more important. You sometimes struggle to go up and say hello because you view yourself as being lesser in a way, which is a, something a bit silly, really, but I think it's something that all of us have experienced at least once. I can tell you my... I don't think I've ever mentioned this, actually, but um, my fanboy moment was back in... I think it was 2006 or seven. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was one of those years when... A whole load of us used to go out to the South by Southwest conference. Yeah, this was before Brooklyn Beta and XOXO and yeah, those ones now that are sort of like the fashionable ones. The place to go back in the day was um, was South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. 
And I remember going there for the first time and standing there in a corridor. I wasn't even saying anything, but I was standing there in a corridor with Jeffrey Zeldman and Eric Meyer. And I think Doug Bowman from Stop Design was also there. Feeling like I'd arrived. Feeling <laughs> like it, was like, <laughs> it was a complete, complete fanboy moment. I still have a screenshot of Jeffrey Zeldman's blog when he first linked to something that I wrote. I think we all go there as fanboy or fangirl moments and never really forget them. No, I'm not. I'm never going to be allowed to forget that one. Not now, anyway. I did the first time that I uh, I came across Zeldman's book. This is this is a bad thing to say, but have you read Designing with Web Standards? I think so. Yes, because it's had several different versions. But I remember when the first one came out. Um, and I'd spent about six months learning CSS. This was in the days when there weren't any books about CSS. And the only thing that you could learn was a few online tutorials. There used to be things like the Noodle Incident and Blue Robot and things that you're never going to have heard of in a million years. No, not at all. Half the people listening are like scratching their heads. <laughs> These were the places where you used to go to learn about CSS layout. And back in the day, it was all absolute positioning. That was how you did CSS layout. People didn't use floats at that time. And I spent about six months really nailing CSS layouts and, and knowing how to do them properly. And then Zeldman came along with that book, and I was in our local bookshop over at Ellesmere Port, and I found this Designing with Web Standards, and I was absolutely horrified because all the things I'd spent six months learning were all in this damn book. As in you had done them incorrectly or have you learned them correctly? Now, what I did was I bought one copy because I needed a copy for myself, and I took the remaining six that were on the shelf and I hid them behind something like Rose Pruning <laughs> for Beginners, <laughs> just so people in the local area wouldn't get a jump start on me. Oh, dear. That's a bit mean. That's not the kind of thing that I would admit to now because we're supposed to be all inclusive, aren't we? We're supposed to be like, all about the teaching. Yes. But uh, not so much back in the day. So, yeah, this whole um, what can we do to be more inclusive... More events open to under-21s, I think, is a, is a very good start. It is, yeah. It's a good jump start to getting more people, young people involved in the industry, I think. Anna, she's actually started a lanyard group or guide. Yes. Events and meetups for or open to young designers and developers. So, God, there's no holding her back, is there? Not at all, no. <laughs> you mentioned in your first article about the fact that more young people should speak at events and on podcasts. Yes, which is what I'm doing today. And, of course, you're speaking at the Web Is in a couple of weeks. So we'll actually get to meet face-to-face. -face. We will, yes. At long last. It's not been that long. It's only been a couple of weeks. I've been following you for years. You're talking about the Web Is Still Young, which obviously is not an unrelated topic to what we're doing today. So tell me about what you're going to talk about. I'm not completely sure yet. Oh, oh bugger. I think I'm going to talk about my experiences and how the web is still young. Even though it's 25 years old, it's still got a long way to go and where we should be heading towards, I think. That's my general idea at the moment. Also, it's wider than this topic that we've been talking about today. I think so, yes. Interesting. So how are you approaching... We're going completely off topic, but I don't care. How, how are you approaching preparing and writing for the talk? Um, I'm currently mind-noding out my thoughts and plans for it. What does that mean? So it's like drawing... Have you ever seen a spider web? 
map where you draw out your ideas in bubbles and join them together with lines? No, I've never done that. It's a very good way of organising your thoughts, I've found. So I've been doing that and it's sort of helped me get ideas into place and have a general idea of where I want to get ahead of So talk me through the process then, because you've got, you've got a completely blank double side of A4. You know, you've opened yes. your sketchbook and you've got two blank pages there. How, wh- how, what are you doing? What's your first start? So for me, I wrote up the topic title in the middle of the page and drew a massive circle around it. And I drew four different legs or lines out of it and more bubbles. And in there, different sections I want to touch on. So I think the first section was me and um, who I am. Second section was my experiences. And third section was um, about how the way we're still young. And the fourth section is about young creators, such as Mark Zuckerberg and uh, the inventors of Twitter and other people who have done amazing things at such a young age. Interesting. So you've got your sort of four bubbles around the central topic. Yes. And then what are you doing? You're making other notes and other circles that connect to those bigger circles. Yes. And then, yeah, making notes on those and the general, like, three or four slides I want to make per each section and writing down rough notes for those. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to start with the slide deck and then kind of um, build a narrative around that? That's the way I've been advised to move forward, so I think I'm going to attempt that. Interesting. Who advised you to do that? I can't remember. No, that's fascinating, because that's how I used to do talks. Not with the whole kind of, what do you call it, mind node thing? Yes. Is that a thing? There's an app for it on the App Store. Okay, now I'm going to have to look. I've been resisting touching the keyboard, but I'm going on there now. What do I just search for? Mind node. Mind node, yeah. It should come up. Mind Node Pro. That's the one. Oh, okay. And there's lots of other things. Oh, yeah, well, I've seen things like this before. I didn't realise what they were called, though. Some people call them mind maps as well, which is a bit confusing. That's probably what I've heard, because I've I've even had clients give me things like this as sort of almost like site maps in a way. They are a bit, yes. Or kind of user flows. Ah, interesting. Site maps for the brain. Because what I've done in the past was I used to sort of sketch out like a rough narrative and I would write an, like an unordered list, basically. And I'd start off, well, I suppose they're a little bit like your bigger, um, your bigger circles, but what I would do is like I'd do a sort of a subhead. And then underneath that, I would write out what I thought my key points were going to be just as an, an unordered list. And then each one of those would turn into a slide or two. Yes, I think yeah, that's just basically the way of where I'm going, but only with bubbles. And then I suppose you you sort of just, well, you're just going to do, you're going to kind of ad-lib around it. I'm going to write out a rough script, I think, so I make sure I'm really prepared. Now, that's what I was going to get onto, because that's what I've started doing now. I mean, this talk that, you know, I was mentioning before we started recording that I was, like, hopelessly behind. Is this the Berlin one? This is what I'm going to do in Berlin, and I'm going to do it at UX Brighton as well. And it's following a new kind of pattern for me that I've done over the last year or so where I'm actually starting from the point of view of just doing a script. It has really picked up in popularity, I found. I do believe that um, Deconstruct, um, literally everyone speaking there was using a script. So it's obviously the way forward. Were you there this year? I was. I thought that was such a good show. We could have met. Yes, I think I spotted you the whole time though. You did or you didn't? I didn't. It was, it was a lot of people there. I blend into the background, you know. 
like the shadow. No, I think that there were a couple of people that uh, that riffed, but the vast majority of people did have a slide. I mean, some people you could really tell that they were reading from it. Yes. And other people were, I won't say more polished, but they memorized. had a diff- Yeah, they, I think that they'd memorised more of it and they were really just glancing down every few lines just to make sure that they were staying on track. Uh, but the script thing has definitely, definitely... Um, taken off um, and that's what's so hard about writing what I'm doing right now because I think if I'd have just done bullet points I'd probably be done by now but because I want to write everything out it just takes it takes forever I can imagine it takes ages to do but I suppose and this is what I think I've found about the talks at Deconstruct, I need to talk to Jeremy about this was that they almost sort of sounded more eloquent in a way Yes, I think they do when they've got time to prepare. You improve your diction and decide to use larger words than you would do in standard conversation. I'm a big fan. I think conference organisers need to they need to think about people that want to use a script more. Yeah. The last thing that you want to do, and I've, and I've seen people do the scripty thing before and it really not work, is if you've got somebody standing behind a whacking great podium... Um, and they're standing there because they're either reading notes off paper or they're looking at a laptop screen. It's not a very dynamic presentation. You know, you want to be able to kind of get away from the podium, stand in the middle of the stage and still see your notes up on a big screen. Yes, they all need a prompt script or prompt, prompt screen, um, I think. That'd really help. I noticed I was watching some of the videos from XOXO, uh, John Gruber. He was particularly good, I saw, and uh, Anita Sarkeesian was good too. And I noticed at the front of the stage, because I'm fascinated by this now, whenever I see like a conference video, I'm looking to see what the setup's like. And they had like a fallback monitor, like a prompt at the, at the front of the stage. Yes. You've got to have one of those. Yeah, it's not too hard to set up either, really. All it is is a computer running off a very long HDMI cable. The problem that I've found is that, and Lord knows what it's like in the latest version, I haven't upgraded to Yosemite yet, so I can't... Um, I can't see what the new keynote is like. But if it's anything like the previous keynote, the presenter display is just terrible. You're really restricted in terms of the formatting. And what I've done, I still, I still use the old, old, old keynote because it's, you know, it's the one where you've got a better presenter display. And what I do, because I don't have any slides behind me, generally, is I'll put my entire talk on like the slide layer. That's a clever idea. And then what I do is I do it so that it's black background, white text, which makes it slightly easier to read. I make it, like, really massive. Um, but the problem with that is that if you do want to have slides, it's tricky because you don't want the audience seeing your notes. Yes. But with Keynote, it's either or. You can't have both. You know, you, you can't have a really good presenter display and have notes be- and have slides behind you. You could use your uh, notes on an iPad and rig that up to... Um keynote on there instead well no funny you should mention this but this is exactly what i'm thinking because i'm thinking that if i can load the notes onto an ipad and find some way of controlling the, the clicker on the ipad which you can do by your iphone actually i do believe oh man it's just, it's just getting so complicated it is <laughs> the other thing i've been looking into is actually teleprompter software but that's quite unstable if they don't recognize your voice so well the ones that I've found for the Mac don't have that facility. Uh, they just advance anyway. 
That's not so great. Yeah, well, I don't know. I need to try it, basically. I bought, I bought a copy, so I'm going to give it a go. Have you spoken anywhere before? Is this going to be your first talk? First talk. Wow. Yes. Well, there's going to be like a gajillion people around that are going to be there to support you. Yes. It's going to be a good show. Are you travelling down like the day before and are you staying for the whole thing? I'm staying for the whole thing. I'm uh, going to the speakers, com- speakers meal before and all that stuff. All that malarkey. I was trying to avoid using that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And it's, I think it's great that you're going to be speaking. And I think actually, I mean, he's, he's a brave fellow anyway, but I think it's, I think it's great of Craig to be taking a punt on you. It is very nice of him. Yeah. I do really appreciate it. I mean, he's sort of known for doing shows that have different facets. You know, he had a choir last year. That's um, different. I know, a Welsh male voice choir. It was at the very end. It kind of you know, brings a tear to your eye. Okay. There's a lot that we could talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about your uh, killing creativity post that I found on your blog as well. But I think we're going to run out of time. I think we will, yes. I'd like to kind of keep things within the hour. I've enjoyed this. Do you want to come on again? That'd be wonderful. And we could talk about some other stuff. I think I'm going to take my portable recording equipment to the web is. Okay. Because I bought it for that trip to Iraq that I had to cancel. Um, and I've never used it. It's still s- sitting in a box. That's a bit of a shame. Yeah, no, it is. It was a few hundred quid too, and it's just like literally gathering dust. So I thought that I might take it to the Webbies and have a bit of fun. We could, uh, we could maybe do like an impromptu episode. That could be um, very uh, amusing. Well, I've never done it before, but, you know. Nothing to lose. A couple of gins and I'll give it a go. <laughs> People can get hold of you, Benjamin. How can they get hold of you? My website is uh, nothingrandom.com and my Twitter handle is Benjamin Holway. Or me, at Malarkey, to suggest topics and ask questions, you can still message this show on Twitter at unfinishedbz or you can email me, hehas at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Perch and Hover. As always, please support this show by supporting them. Hey, lad, that was excellent. Thank you.